1: And we're broadcasting in this eighth year. God, the time's flown. I can remember when I did the very first one. And we're doing it today from a studio in Boston, Massachusetts. We're overlooking the fabulous Harbour Walk. I'm here for a few days with a client. The weather's absolutely beautiful. I'm really enjoying it. I haven't spent that much time in Boston, but it's very nice. When it comes to tech hubs... You know, many entrepreneurs think they need to be based in Silicon Valley or Silicon Beach, which is here in Los Angeles, or maybe fast growing Austin, which incidentally is a fantastic city. But there's renewed energy present throughout Boston and the entire region that's making Beantown a tech mecca in its own right. And uh, this renaissance is being driven by local successes at companies ranging from early stage to established technology giants who are all taking an interest in talent and companies in the region. I guess it helps a hell of a lot to have Harvard University and MIT in the neighbourhood, but it really is a place where people are taking interest. Now, IHOP is undergoing a revamp, as you probably heard during the week. It's attempting to re-engage with diners and bring in more customers. I know I go to IHOP from time to time, but I only go when I want, I feel like, pancakes. I think, um, you know, their pancakes with um, banana and strawberries is pretty hard to beat. But they need to boost traffic because too many people think like I do and think, oh, pancakes. But if they're thinking burgers or thinking a bone steak and eggs, they don't think of IHOP. Now, to show consumers that they're serious about all the other foods, they brought in a range of ultimate steak burgers. And temporarily, they've changed their name from IHOP to IHOB, I-H-O-B instead of I-H-O-P. And they're calling it the International House of Burgers. As a marketer, it's a really bloody smart idea. And IHOP's um, parent company, Dine Brands, believes that this menu innovation as a strategy is going to boost traffic, and I think it will. I'm going to go in and try the burgers because they look pretty good in the TV ads. So the change from International House of Pancakes, to the International House of Burgers, it's not permanent, and it's going to continue to serve their pancakes, and the IHOB campaign is a new strategy to bring people that want something else apart from pancakes as it doubles down on their innovation. When IHOP announced that they were changing to IHOP, flipping the P to a B, they put signs out some of their, outside some of their buildings with the IHOP, and uh, Twitter and Facebook just lit up about what the hell is happening. But the message behind the IHOP madness is the launch of the Steak Burgers, which is seven burger lineup, which they look great. There's the Big Brunch Burger and the Cowboy Barbecue Burger, the Double Decker Monster Burger, and a couple of others that I can't remember at the minute. And uh, the burgers are available all at all IHOP locations, IHOB locations, with limited fries and a drink at 6.99. So yeah, that's a pretty good price. And uh, in addition to transforming into IHOB on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else, they um, changed its name at all its flagship locations and it's running a national IHOB ad campaign on television. The change goal is to change the minds of people, I guess, like me, who just uh, go in for pancakes. But for the IHOB name to be successful, they need to persuade customers to visit the place more often and try these other foods. Now, the, so let's see how it goes. But from a marketing perspective, it's a bloody good campaign, smart idea. And I can imagine when some smart marketing guy pitched it at a board meeting, they all looked at him like he was crazy. But uh, I think so far it's been very successful. Now, for the past, fast, for the past couple of years, China's some way Taihu Light, I guess that's how you pronounce it, has been the world's fastest computer ranked by computer scientists. And for the past five years, China's owned the title. So they've won it for five years, and for the last two years with this new Taihui Light computer. But as of last Friday, a US-made supercomputer by IBM called Summit tops the rankings for the first time since 2012 you beauty and according to ibm we're talking about 200 petaflops fast now that's a processing rate of 200 quadrillion calculations per second now if you want to know how fast that is it's two hundred thousand trillion calculations per second so if you try to put some sort of comparison on it if every person in the world all eight and a half billion of them spent every second every day for a year so that's eight and a half billion people all doing a calculation every second 24 hours a day for 365 we would not get close to what this 200 million dollar super machine can do in just one single second Now, as you know with your computer when you use your computer a lot it gets hot right even your little laptop gets hot now just imagine trying to keep this mega supercomputer with all its chips cool Well, it takes refrigerators which occupy the space of two tennis courts and use 4,000 gallons of cold water a minute to cool the 37,000 processors that it uses. That's two tennis courts of refrigerators and 4,000 gallons of water a minute to keep the thing cool. Wow. So while cloud computing is stealing a lot of thunder, experts believe that high-performance computing it's still a necessity for national security, for science, and for an economic competitiveness. And it's the first computer of its kind to handle machine learning, neural networks, and other AI applications. We'll see how good it is. Now, it's now operating at twice the speed of the fastest Chinese computer. So that gives us a bit of an advantage. It's about time we get it. Well, we've only got an advantage until the Chinese copy it, I suppose. So you get my um, 30-second daily newsletter, 30 seconds to read it. We've now got about 1.75 million daily subscribers. We get dozens and dozens and dozens more every single day. We try to make it so that it just takes 30 seconds to read, but sometimes it goes a bit longer. And every day we tackle a different subject from things like, Hyperloop and autonomous cars and blockchain and, and um, cryptocurrencies. Pretty much everything you can think about if it's about business. Now, tomorrow's newsletter is about tech sales. And, you know, when people think about um, tech, they usually think of developers, programmers and engineers. But actually, there's another job that none of us think of that it is just as important, if not more important than developers, programmers and engineers. It's tech salespeople that bring products to life and translate them into a meaningful things that consumers need. Without a good sales team, new products will likely fail. So that's tomorrow's newsletter, it's very interesting. And if you don't get the newsletter, go to my website, bobpritchard.com and enroll. Saw something interesting also the other day. Traditionally, the when you sit there and think about um, majority of tech investors and startups, you think of California, Silicon Beach, Silicon Valley, New York, Massachusetts, and. As of last year, 76% of all venture capital went into those three areas. The San Francisco Bay Area, of course, is regarded as the global mecca for technology and innovation, and venture capital, of course. That's where it all began. It's where the computer chip was born, where the first Apple machine popped up in a garage and where Google started in a dorm room. And Silicon Valley's got a drive and ambition and a feel to it that um, some say can't be replicated. But on the downside, and I was there a couple of weeks ago visiting my son at Google, San Francisco is now congested. The drive from San Francisco to Silicon Valley is an absolute bloody nightmare, and it's unbelievably expensive. You know, I thought New York was expensive, for example. Silicon Valley is just ridiculous. And so what's happened is major tech centers are developing all over the place, in Boston and Austin and Seattle, amongst amongst other places, but they're predicting that in the next few years, 90% of all technology market capitalization, capitalization will be outside of Silicon Valley. This sounds strange too, but startups and investors are also springing up in the Midwest. The Midwest's home to 150 Fortune 500 companies. Who'd have thought? I always think, you know, being a Californian, I always think of Midwest as, I don't know, cornfields. But 150 Fortune 500 companies, 25% of all US computer science graduates and 60% of the country's manufacturing base. It's a large, large, large market, making up 19% of America's GDP, and 19% of all U.S. patents originate in the Midwest. It's also, as we know, got some of the top universities in the nation: University of Chicago, Notre Dame, uh, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Mich- Michigan, Illinois, Carnegie Mellon. M- M- you know, MIT. So it's got everything out there. Despite this, the Midwest accounts for only 5% of all venture capital funding. And a growing number of Silicon Valley VCs are looking favourable at the Midwest. Steve Case, J.D. Vance, Jeff Bezos, Eric Schmidt, Howard Schultz, they've all backed a $150 million Midwest startup fund and lots of other projects. So last year, the total investment in Midwestern companies was at $4.5 billion and 37 companies in the region exited for a value of 5.1 billion and And 12 months before that it was only 1.6 billion so it's gone up nearly 400% in one year that's pretty fantastic and the Nebraska Angels a network of 60 angel investors who have invested 11 million in local startups Say that it's not that companies are moving to the Midwest, it's just that Midwest startups and early stage companies are choosing to stay there rather than go to places like San Francisco where they run out of money very quickly. Now, what sort of companies are in the Midwest? Well, companies like IoT, insurance, education, bioengineering, healthcare, motorsports, and this boom is creating thousands of jobs and they're all in the mid tech area so they're not tech jobs that require a college degree and so all those mantras that you've heard that there's no innovation in the Midwest there's no capital in the Midwest there's no talent in the Midwest that is all being proved to be very very wrong. Now if you've got a startup, you're listening to this show there's a lot of reasons to move to the Midwest the dollar goes much, much, much further than on the coast. There's no congestion. Run rates are a hell of a lot longer. There's an excess of affordable talent and there's a really good work ethic. And you look at it in San Francisco, a software engineer makes 125 to 150k a year and top talent can get up to 500k a year. And yet in the Midwest, the same job, will pay $84,000, but the cost of living is about one-third of what it is in the Bay Area. So with a living lower cost of living, companies in the Midwest enjoy burn rates that are 50% lower than Silicon Valley. So that makes a hell of a difference because it enables you to push towards break-even and profitability much, much faster. So the Midwest special in its own way, and it's also challenged its culture into a distinctive brand of entrepreneurship. So as I said, if you're an entrepreneur, and you're thinking about a startup, and uh, you want to take your dollar as far as you possibly can, go to the Midwest, all the talent's there. Now today we've got another great interview for entrepreneurs. This is a replay of an interview I ran a few weeks ago because I just love this guy. So, Anybody who's listening for a great investment, listen to listen carefully to my guest, Oscar Garcia. He's the CEO and co-founder of Ooh La La. Just the name alone warrants an investment, I reckon. Ooh La La. And it's a blockchain-based company that solved the financial services problem for hundreds of millions of Latinos from the US to Brazil who don't have a bank account and can be finally linked to the formal economy. You know, this surprised me too. In the US alone, the GDP of the Latin community is $2.3 trillion. That's more than a lot of companies. So I'll be back with Oscar Garcia after this short break on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, and we're being broadcast across the world this week from our studio temporary in Boston.
0: Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back
1: to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. For over the past seven and a half years or so, we've given you the insights into the lives of over 350 of the world's most interesting business people. We talk about what it is they do, how they've become successful, and we try to get behind that a bit to find out what it is that really makes them tick. In this interview segment, it's it's our intention to keep you up to date with all the current business news, as well as new developments in health, technology, and apps, and to introduce you to some of the world's most interesting and successful business people. I first saw today's guest present at the Beverly Hills Blockchain event in Los Angeles and again at the Crypto Invest Summit a couple of weeks ago at the Los Angeles Convention Center. Oscar Garcia is a tremendous presenter, and he's got a great message. He's really captivating. In fact, Oscar's so good, I immediately invested in his company, which is called Ooh La La. How can you go wrong with a name like that? Now, Oscar is the CEO and co-founder of Ooh La La, which is a blockchain-based company that has solved the financial services problem by helping the cash consumer become creditworthy. Ulala connects the hundreds of millions of Latinos from the US to Brazil who don't have a bank account to finally be connected to the formal economy. In the US alone, the Latino GDP is a staggering $2.3 trillion. That's $2,300 million. That's a hell of a lot of loot that um, is going uncaptured. So it's really difficult and expensive to be poor, you know, particularly if you're one of the large segment of the Hispanic population who don't have a bank account or a credit card. You know, you typically transact in cash-only environment where you wait in long lines to pay bills or to send money back home. And when you're paying cash, it often costs you more. And banks charge you 29 bucks a month for a checking account. Their overdraft fees. Cash checking business charge, they charge high fees to cash your check. And remittance companies charge <laughs> higher fees. And that reduces the amount of money that arrives where it's needed most. So these factors exacerbate the chasm between rich and poor. Now, ooh-la-la uses blockchain to remove the middlemen, drive down costs, and it empowers those people who need it most. This will allow individuals to build credit, save on services, and earn cash back by paying their bills. Oscar's been an entrepreneur for over 20 years, built a number of companies, and accelerated the growth of small businesses. As the CEO of Oolala, Oscar's passion for social impact will be global. Now what they've done, when you go to the Oolala website, you see the incredible team of diverse executives, many of whom are Latino descent. He's secured financial services and distribution partnerships, all while raising millions from crowdfunding. Oscar's driven by an insatiable desire to solve important problems through technology. Ulala la, with its blockchain technology to empower a culture through financial inclusion and transparency. It really is the future of banking. Oscar, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You're being heard all around the world.
2: Bob, thank you. Uh, That was one of the best introductions. I I honestly am thinking, you don't need me on the show. We got you.
1: (laughs) So what was the motivation for Ooh La La? Did you just wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning one day and go, Ooh La La, what a great idea. How did that come about?
2: Well, the, the business idea came about because of a, I would say, a disrespect. 4 years ago uh, I was working with a uh, I was working with a Hector Barreto who used to head up the SBA under George W Bush I was right. the vice president he was the president there was an owner of a company that we brought the Latin community to and we brought them over 60 million dollars in revenue in a short period of time under 9 months wow and unfortunately he failed the Latin community he failed to keep his promises to the community and for me, I've always looked for a product or a service that can actually do what they say they're going to do, do it right, uh, fulfill your commitment, and this demographic will reward you. So it really came about because of four years ago, uh, a failed business taught me the lessons, and I wanted to do it right.
1: Okay. I've got to ask you about the name. I love the name. <laughs> Ooh la la. It's, just, it's fantastic. How did you come up with the name? Well,
2: Ula o- o- stands for Universal Utility Loading Application and Lending Appliance. That's what it really means. So, when you really when you look at OOLALA, La, the the real way to spell it is like O H something, right? Yeah. Um, we, because of the universal utility aspect of it, it just created that U U aspect of it, and the the you know the loading application squared, you know, equals the La La. Yeah. really that's where it came from it, it's something unique it's like an amazon family name but it really serves a purpose
1: it's a fabulous name I love it so why are you specifically looking to help unbanked Latinos is that hard to well, penetrate, Bob, is it hard to penetrate that market to do, do they trust the system uh i I don't think they trust the system I think that they've been taken
2: for granted. Uh, um, I'm a son of an immigrant. I've seen my mom really hate and despise walking into banks. She felt that she was in line just to get disrespected. You know, she would walk into a bank, ask to cash her check. She would be looked at like she's kind of some, you know, weird alien. And, uh, you know, she just felt disrespected all the time. And for them to charge a fee to cash her check, uh, th- that's that's really what we're trying to solve. Right. Now, can you penetrate this market? I think four years ago was our test case where not only did we penetrate the market, we, we were able to bring $60 million in revenue in under nine months. Yeah. We now have a, a system and a process where we know we not only can penetrate, we can dominate with this culture.
1: Yeah. I, I hate to tell you this, but I, I'm, I'm not a Latino, but I hate banks too. They are rude, <laughs> objectionable. They do absolutely nothing to help you. They have you sit around for hours and deliver four-fifths of fuck all. I don't like banks at all. Um,
2: hey, Bob, that's exactly what we believe, right? We believe that the, that the common thread here between every culture is that if you're unbanked, if you're not worth – even people worth millions of dollars, let me tell you, I still stand in line. I show them my bank accounts and they're like, wow, this is amazing. But yet they still keep me in line for 20 minutes because they killed the merchant line,
1: yeah. you know, just to just to move money around. It's stupid. Yeah, I agree. So the growth in the use of blockchain in the financial services, it's been exponential, hasn't it? I mean, every day you read about new institutions and new organizations, particularly in the financials not only in the financial services area, but in all sorts of area. It's growing like crazy. So how are you using blockchain in ooh Well, we, we started
2: looking at how we can actually log these transactions for underbanked individuals that, you know, in some cases, they're legally here in the United States, other times they're not. But what we can all share in common is that we're, we're all citizens of the world. So why not create a platform that actually empowers every citizen in the world? Uh, Blockchain technology gave us the ability to have a completely decentralized, immutable record. Now, that's the key. Blockchain is the ability where you can have several different computers actually – or seven different nodes actually verify that that transaction happened, right? That transaction happened. When you have that, you no longer are a – a byproduct of a big institution like a Wells Fargo that said this happened because I say it happened. No, yeah. it's not because they say it happened. It's because there's verifiable proof that it happened. That's what blockchain does. When we have institutions that actually does that, now you can have a global credit score. Now you can have a global financial score. Now you can have a global entity that can prove that this individual, his intentions, are good his yeah. intentions are worth the amount of dollars right blockchain technology really opens those doors
1: it, it is fantastic and it's about time we made the whole system transparent because at the moment and in, i happen to be in australia this week doing some business and there's just been a big banking inquiry here and all the banks um, got torn to shreds for all sorts of devious um, undertakings for for lying for cheating on uh, reports I mean, you know and these are people that we're supposed to look up to so how that's the point that's the point right it's yeah a, absolutely it's because
2: someone says that this CEO is a good guy uh, you're supposed to look up to him you know hey let's let's trust but let's verify blockchain yeah. technology is that ability to verify and that way nobody can change the record nobody can lie steal and cheat that's yeah. the whole purpose
1: Great. So, do when you when you're out talking to um, unbanked Latinos, do you do you emphasize the blockchain? I mean, do they know what the blockchain is, or have any idea of how it works?
2: No. All they care about is that their business is being respected. They're being shown a new system that, for some reason. Can verify who they are, and for some reason, can help them obtain microcredit loans. Right. They don't know what they don't know, right? Like, do you actually know how TCP/IP and voiceover IP works on your cell phone? Because sometimes you're on the carrier's line, other times when you're calling someone internationally, you're going over a VoIP system. Yeah. So, do people really know how their cell phone transactions are being done? No. But the cell phone companies are able to route two different systems, one that's theirs and one that's void in order to get the call across internationally. We are exactly like that. We're we're a a technology company that uses blockchain, which is our carrier, if you will, that can verify and make things happen. Money goes from point A to point B, how it happens or how it works. Most people don't care as long as there's good customer service, great value, and something that that can reward them for doing the activities that they're doing
1: right so what blockchain are you on and why did you choose that particular one
2: well we use multi-chain which gives us the ability to have our own blockchain in several different countries so a lot of people always ask us why aren't you on the erc20 ethereum contract and the short answer is when a lot of people are using it it's bogged down you can't go to a starbucks and actually order a mochaccino cappuccino and wait two hours to have a transaction verified.
1: That's we don't want that head. to happen. Yeah, that-
2: Th- That's the problem right now of, of current blockchains and cryptocurrency, right? With, whether yeah. it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Bitcoin cash, that, that prevents it going mainstream into the transactional level. So what do we do? We actually used multi-chain that gave us the ability to have smart contracts. That we can add or take away from and not only that but it can give us the ability to have separate blockchains with separate rules in separate countries so the united states has certain rules they say we want things done in the abc fashion yeah. mexico says yeah that's great but we want you to add c d e and f so because of multi-chain we're able to create slightly different blockchains and then link them together to make a multi-chain blockchain environment for every country and be vi- viable for those countries' laws, We believe that that's smarter, that's better. At the end of the day, we batch out our transactions. We don't do our transactions on the blockchain on a second-by-second basis. We learn the lessons on the merchant service industry where you batch out all transactions at the end of the day where the load is less, so that way you have one transactional uh, scenario instead of multi-transaction that happen on a second-by-second
1: second basis. Right. Well, Derek, and this is off your subject for a minute, but do you think that EOS is going to change, um, going to be a better solution than Ethereum? Well,
2: I, I believe any technology that speeds up the transactional history and lowers the cost of it is definitely going to be a better boat. EOS is on a rise. Their technology is looking to be launched at the end of June, to my understanding. Yeah, that's right. So. You know, there's great there's great promise. I'm waiting to see, um, but anything that speeds up the process definitely will catch our attention. We've talked to Block One, who runs EOS, yep. and we like what they have to say. So they're looking, and you know what? They were honest with us. They were looking for platforms that will eventually migrate over to them once they launch. And yes. we believe we're going to watch what they do and then actually launch uh, if it's if it's tangible with them but if it's not then we use the multi-chain as we already have plans to do so
1: right so what is the gap in the market that ulala looks to fill is it is it simply the bottom end of the market um bottom end of the latino market or is it across the board latino market well it's, it's really across the board latino
2: market but we start with the bottom first when you rise the bottom Yep. to a certain level, then the medium class individuals, the upper class individuals will take notice, right? Because if it's sure. good for, for the goose, it's good for the gander. And, and that's what we're looking at. First and foremost, we're talking about 30% of the world is unbanked. 55% of the world is underbanked, meaning yep. they don't have credit worthiness. Yep. So when you really look at the spectrum, we're talking about more than half of the world can use ooh la, la eventually. But how do we prove to, to the whole world that this is a better mousetrap, right? So we went after the Latino market because we're saying, look, we can lower all their fees to cash their checks, pay their bills, send money out. But we can reward them with microloans by tracking what they spend and actually giving them $10, $20, $50 loans. Yeah. Once they do that and we're able to prove the model, then we can expand out, right? Then we can go middle class, upper class, and whatnot. But once we, we prove the model with the majority of the Latin culture, then we can open up to the world. So we're basically taking a NyQuil type of approach where they said right. we're a nighttime formula compared to all the daytime formulas. They dominated that space, and then they went and created DayQuil where they now they control both of, of sides of the aisle.
1: Yeah. Well yeah it's la. it seems to me, I've spent a hell of a lot of time in India and in um, Africa, and I would have thought that Ulala um, was absolutely made for those two markets.
2: We learned from those two markets and there's a lot of competitors that are yeah, going after those two markets. But when, when you look at it, if you're an individual that's getting bitten by all these companies, you have a lot of options you know that's that's what we call a red ocean environment what we want is a blue ocean environment where there's almost nobody going after a certain demographic it's a demographic as big as 2.3 trillion dollars and we can be the big fish there
1: yeah yeah i agree so what is it about what you're doing that excites you the most what what gets you going at six o'clock in the morning
2: Uh, I, I think for me, it's... Oh, uh, 7
1: o'clock. It <laughs> just happened.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, it's literally, this just happened. Um, let me tell you about what just happened about 45 minutes ago. 45 minutes ago, I was at a restaurant, and this, this older lady walks in with... Let me count them here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven bushels of flowers for Mother's Day. Right. She can barely wrap her hands around these flowers, and she's coming around the restaurant seeing if she can sell these flowers to anyone.
1: Yep. And she's
2: getting denied, denied, and denied. And then I bought them all from her. Wow. That lady was like my mom. Yep. That lady did not stop after the first denial. That lady kept on going. And all she wants to do is feed her family. Sure. So if I can help out that lady, if I can buy out those flowers, if I can give her dignity and respect, then that's why I will wake up early in the morning.
1: Yeah, it, it makes you feel good, doesn't it?
2: I, I'm not sure about feeling good. <clears throat> I i don't know how to feel it because I lived it. Yeah. I, I think for me, it's about getting the culture, the dignity that they deserve. This yeah. is a hardworking culture that does more than what people think. It's a shadow culture that you don't pay attention until it slaps you in the face. And if we can bring back that dignity, if we can help them rise and get extra access to financial inclusion, that we have done something right. And we've proven that you can make a lot of money doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. And it is a hardworking culture. Sure is. Um, yeah. So what's the biggest threat to ooh What What gives you butterflies in the stomach sometimes?
2: Well, it's simple. It, it, it's uh, people that get in our way. It doesn't give me butterflies. It fires me up.
0: Oh, okay. It's people
2: who don't understand, right? It's it's, it's banks that go. What is blockchain? It's it, it's institutions that don't want to embrace new technologies, new systems, new perils. It, it's old systems like Wells Fargo, who's getting fined a billion dollars because they lied, stealing, cheated the commercial, you know, the consumer yeah. by creating false bank accounts without their knowledge. That fires me. Yeah. And it's really irritating that there's certain companies and certain you know individuals that are trying to go to the twenty second century, the twenty third century technology, but there's people who resist change, no matter what, because they're trying to hang on to their last destitution of the old model. If you do not embrace change, you will be left behind. The internet has proven that. cell phones has proven that. they're, they're not smartphones, right? every industry has evolved the banking industry has not it is time
1: that's true and if you don't change you're going to go very quickly because change is accelerating so fast and the people that are using new technology are improving their profits they're improving their their, um, customer service they're improving everything about their businesses so if you don't follow that path you will lose
2: Absolutely, and look at the examples we have right now. Toys R Us, yeah, huge institution, just lost. They lost to Amazon. Yeah. They outsourced to Amazon. Amazon now beat them, right? Yeah. Everyone who's who has failed to look at technology and people who always say, "Well, how can you compete with these institutional big juggernauts?" Because they're blinded to change. That's how we compete.
1: That's right. I agree. Uh, can you just give us a brief overview on how the ooh la la financial Ecosystem and mobile app actually works. I mean, how do you start? Sure. How does it? How does it? How does it happen? Well, there's there's two major
2: bridges in the industry that we solve. Right. We always uh, talk about how there's ten steps in the banking world. You know, the first step is you you have some kind of cash or some kind of check, and then you need to transfer that paper that check into cash, and then you use that cash to pay bills to do the things that you need to do to live on. If you have consistent money, then you get a bank account. That's usually around step four, yep. right? And then once you have a bank account, you start building some kind of credit, you know, but that's step five, six, seven, and eight. And, and then when you're at step eight and you got a FICO score of 800, everybody and their mom wants you. Well, yep. there's, there's gaps. The, the first gap is how do you get cash into the system when there is no bank account? The second gap is how do you kickstart credit when most institutions won't give you things until you take out a $1,000 or more on some kind of item? Yeah. So what we did first, what our phase one is, is turning as many people, and I'm saying this again, people, into walking, talking bank tellers. Yeah. Because the same way the, the Airbnbs of the world turned houses into hotels or apartments into hotels – we believe that peer-to-peer banking is the next evolution of the financial sector. So if an individual who has money into the system can help another individual who's new to the system, load $50, load a hundred dollars in cash into the system by mean by simply being united to being shown that, Hey, listen, I can help you load a hundred dollars for a fee of $2. If that fee is acceptable to you, you hit agree. You get matched up, you hit degree, there's an escrow system, you meet, you give that person cash, He hits the button, we're watching the transaction on every step, and then we move the money from his account to your account, now you have that money accessible digitally. So what does that mean? That means your money now has a virtual Visa card attached to it. Right. Now you can go to any Amazon, Hulu, anywhere where you can save money and actually buy things. Now you can use that Visa virtual number to pay your bills because if you walk into a place to pay your bills, they're charging you a cash fee.
1: Yeah,
0: but I know.
2: if you pay your bills with your Visa card, you actually lower the ability or, or, or eliminate that fee altogether.
1: Yeah. I think the great great thing about this is that um, I've got a friend who uh, does microloans in India. And he says that when you give people who don't have the facilities, when you give them microloans, their repayment um, percentage of, of defaults is almost zero, whereas, you know, we middle class lot, we default all the time.
2: <laughs> Isn't that amazing, right? Yes. The, the the facade of the industry says that the lowest people in the totem pole will not pay their bills. Yeah. And, and really, it's the other way around.
1: It is the right? other right? Way, the way around.
2: People, yeah. Right. The people who need it most want to pay it back because there's not that many people that will trust them with it, so that way it's almost 100%. Our our numbers show 98.5% repayment from the Latino market. Yeah. It's
1: phenomenal. Well, my my, my friend who does the thing in in India was saying that it's about 99% um, that meet their obligations, which is amazing. Um, Phenomenal. the, The company tagline, Empowering You, What's the social impact that you wish to have on the Latino demographic? What do you, what do you want them to achieve out of this, apart from improving well, their credit?
0: It's,
2: it's, it's really um, self-respect and the ability for them to know that all their activities can really empower them. You know, Every one of their activities can help them grow as a financial, financially feasible individual. Empowering you, and, and our logo actually signifies that. It's, a, it's really a power symbol yeah. tilted to the right with the letter U right into it, right? Yeah. So when you press the button and it empowers you, it empowers all your activity, empowers all your financial credibility, it empowers merchants to give micro loans to individuals. That's really going to be our phase two. So empowering you is really all about empowering not just the individual, but the merchants to actually give microcredit loans and reward programs to consumers, so we really want people to take that message to heart. The more they're in control of their lives, the more they control their money. The more they keep more of their money, the more they can actually give to their immediate family and to society.
1: The um, do you expect that initially most of the um, matching? Loans, if you like, a loan and, and requests is is going to come from the Latino community, or do you think that it's going to be much more broad based than that?
2: Well, it's definitely going to come from the Latino community because we're targeting the Latino community first. I, I think our our rollout process is like eighty percent Latino, twenty percent everyone else. Right. So we do expect a good chunk of that of of the micro loans to be requested by the Latino uh, market. Uh, we have different type of partnerships going on right now with the insurance industry where they're going to be pushing the education to the latino market on what they can do with our platform right so we do expect the insurance industry to help guide the latino market so the short answer is yes definitely it's going to come from the latino market
1: how um, how easy is the latino market to reach with messages is it is it you know, some of it's underground, with some of it's underground, and uh, so how do you reach them? Is there common media that they they follow? S- social media is that popular? How, no. How, how do you it, reach it? Social media is yeah, social media is really popular,
2: but we don't need that. We have community trusted advisors that we're targeting that already deal with the demographic. Most of these advisors are people that have followings in the thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of individuals. So when that individual says, you know, influencers, right? In general, when they say do this because it does this for you, people migrate and go curiosity strikes. They go try it, right? Right. That is more impactful than the social media campaign of a commercial for 30 seconds that doesn't really say shit to you, right? (laughs) We really want people to be, Touched with their hearts and, and be rewarded with their wallet.
1: Right. So who, who are these influencers? Are they sports stars or pop stars or business people? Or, no,
2: no. Business people like Veronica's Insurance. Right. Uh, Veronica's Insurance is a big popular insurance house over here in Southern California. Her billboards are almost everywhere. Yep. So it's individuals like her. Uh, and there's more examples of these insurance individuals where people have been hearing about these individuals for decades, and now we can go to them, partner up with them and actually have them tell people this is good and this is why they're good.
1: So uh, uh, Latino um, is the Latino public extremely loyal to certain brands? or certain individuals certain personalities I,
2: I, i'm not sure if they're loyal to a brand but they're loyal to a brand if that brand is loyal to them right right when when, when a wells fargo as big of a brand that is has been caught you know over fiend to death the latin culture brand does not matter what right. matters is customer service respect dignity that's what matters to the culture right People are willing to pay for value. People are willing to pay for customer service. People are willing to pay quite a bit of money. But when you take away the infrastructure of a a reward system, uh, then why should they pay, right? Why should they pay for low customer service? Why should they pay high fees for people who are just disrespecting them? There's no reason to do that in this world anymore, right? The Internet is here to empower. Technology is a force multiplier. Uh, Once we show them the value and reward system they'll get from Oolala, this is going to be a no-brainer to the culture.
1: Great. So what's the best way for our listeners to find out more about Oolala? I love that. I I just love that name.
2: You love (laughs) that name, Bob. Uh, (laughs) You can easily go to tokensale.oolala.io. That's tokensaleu L-A-L-A dot I-O, which means input, output, by the way. A lot yeah. of people go, well, why, you know, why aren't you a dot .com? We right. like the input, output. So, I O is where they can get all the latest information. They can see our videos. We have product demonstrations there. Um, they can see why NASDAQ, uh, why we were at the NASDAQ Tower and in Times Square educating, you know, people at NASDAQ's boardroom. Um, So they can really get a good idea of what we do. Uh, Obviously, people can read the articles from the Huffington Post, Yahoo Finance, Forbes, Inc., just to name a few, so they can see what those institutions have been saying about our platform.
1: Well, Oscar, unfortunately, we're out of time, but um, thanks very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. It was great to catch up with you the last couple of times, and uh, I hope we see each other again soon. And you can learn more. Well, than- I, oh, sorry, go on.
2: No, I was just going to say, you know, thank you to you for your support, for your commitment for us. I, I greatly appreciate you saying you're one of our investors. Uh, you know, for all transparency, I did not know that. So I'm very glad to hear <laughs> that from you. And anything we can do, I have a fiduciary responsibility to you. Anything we can do to answer your questions, by all means, just call.
1: Thanks very much. So that's, ooh la la so I invite you to have a, a good look at it it's really fantastic and if you if you see that Oscar's speaking anywhere go along and see him because after watching him for five minutes you'll be convinced like I was and I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network after this short break
0: Music.
1: Absolutely no bullshit business, Radio Show and Voice of America Business Network, and we're broadcasting day for a temporary studio overlooking the beautiful Boston Harbour. Now, when people think of jobs in tech, they usually think of developers, programmers and engineers, but there's another tech job that is just as important, if not more important than the creatives who design and produce tech products. That's the guys in sales. Sales is absolutely critical because without sales, your new product is going to fail. Now it's impossible to scale and sustain most software platforms today without a really capable, highly trained sales team. Now, I've been hiring salespeople for 50 years, and it is a it's bloody hard to get good ones. And today you need people who can understand the technical aspects of of what you're doing, if if they're in tech, so indeed many of the most qualified cloud software companies, the sales quads and often the salary packages are just as big as the technical teams. So if you've got one a tech earning two hundred grand, you've probably got a salesman out there earning two hundred grand too. So the innovation boom hasn't just created an outsized demand for IT pros; it's created a tremendous demand for salespeople and. Well, there's a hell of a lot of IT pros around. Great salespeople are as scarce as hen's teeth, And for all the strength and burgeoning tech scene, from great universities to growing investment and thriving regional hubs, senior sales talent is not one of those things that is burgeoning. According to a survey by Wilfrid Laurier University, seven out of 10 high-growth tech companies struggle to obtain executive level sales and marketing talent. So getting the technologists is not the problem. And a 2018 Randstad report shows that tech sales rep is the second most in demand job with extreme demand for B2B reps. So it's the second most in demand job is sales. So worldwide sales talent from entry level to senior executive ranks among the top three hardest skills to find, according to manpower. So technology sales is a true vocation, that uh, requiring the tech savvy to understand the products inside and out. If you don't know your product, you're dead. And the business set, sense to network with leaders inside large companies. And you need the people skills, and that's critical in sales, to make this all seem effortless. And doing the job well requires training and continuous learning because the acceleration in technology is extraordinary. So offering competitive salary and commission packages is a crucial first step. But equally important is, you know, you've got to properly frame the mission behind your company, how you're changing the world or how you're doing at least your small part. And on-the-job training is equally as important because you've got to keep these people right up to date with the latest and greatest. And it's the sales team that helps keep the lights on at any company. You may have an extraordinary product. You might have brilliant engineers. You might be turning out the greatest stuff on the planet. But if you can't convince somebody to actually fork over money for your widget you're not going to be in business for very long. Now, we often talk about cryptocurrencies on this show, and if you don't have digital assets already, now's the time to start, even if you start small. And I urge you to go to the Crypto Invest Summit in about two months at the Los Angeles Convention Center. It's more than double the size of the last one, and it will bring out, the biggest investors and entrepreneurs in the crypto space worldwide. It's, the last one was an unbelievable event, and uh, this one will be too. So if you want to make sound investments for your future, you should get your tickets now. We're going to be giving away tickets on the show, and you, if you buy now, you'll save about 800 bucks. Now remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. It's easier, and it's more rewarding to do the impossible, than it is to do the ordinary. Any bastard can do the ordinary. And if you're always trying to be normal, you'll never know how amazing you can be if you decide for a little while to go rogue. So I hope you can join me again next Tuesday when I'll be broadcasting again from Los Angeles. In the meanwhile, continue to be successful because the alternative to being successful really